Hey everybody, Joe Moriarty. Thanks for joining another training-led growth podcast. Uh, I had an awesome conversation with Debbie Smith of Braze. Uh, she's a customer education leader. She's been in customer education her whole career, and she's got some awesome insight into uh, how she measures metrics, how she measures success. You're going to see uh, she has some pretty incredible results uh, with monthly recurring revenue growth uh, and monthly active users and what the impact to customer education can be, So, or meaning the impact to the business through customer education. So great, great conversation. Uh, she welcomes you to reach out. You can find her on LinkedIn. It's Debbie Smith with Braze. And um, please uh, let me know if you have any questions or comments. Thanks again. Hi, welcome to another edition of the Training Web Growth Podcast. Uh, I have a great guest today, Debbie Smith. Hi, Debbie. Hey, Joe. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining. I appreciate it. Oh, happy to join and happy to talk about it. Um, so you've got a great background, got a Bachelor of Science in Psychology, which I think is actually a great background for the stuff that we do. Um, got your master's. Then got into kind of instructional design. It looks like you were in instructional design um, down in Florida. They did some things with Delta Career Education Corporation, more instructional design with PHT Corporation, uh, Fullbridge, uh, senior. Then you started to kind of get into like management, program management, but always learning, always focused on learning, focused on education, um, quick base senior certification program manager, which is awesome because I want to talk about how certifications can drive customer uh, retention, stickiness, growth, um, and then now full-time at Braze Customer Education Program Manager, which we love. We love to talk about customer and customer education. So thank you, Debbie. That's a, a heck of a experience you've got so far. It's, it's been fun. You know, the career growth and moving through different different pieces of the customer education has been really fascinating looking at it from different angles. When did you first start kind of realizing the power of what customer education can do for a business? So when I was at Florida Virtual School, I started to think about it because we were training our customers there and I was on the instructional design team and I was trying to figure out how we could show that they were actually benefiting from it. It took a few years for me to actually get to the point where I figured out how to do that. And that was when I was at QuickBase. Mm -hmm. um, and that was the coolest thing in the world to me when I figured out how to really start to think about it. Before I was at QuickBase, we'd talk about, you know, showing ROI of training and we never could really figure out a way to do it. But so we'd end up using real vanity metrics, course completion, you know, how many people registered. Well, that's all great, but it doesn't actually tell us anything. When I was at QuickBase, I worked with a data science team to pull all of the data from our CRM and from our learning management system together mm. to create reports and dashboards, not only around how many people had taken training and how many people were certified, but actually correlating it to MRR and MAU, so monthly recurring revenue and monthly active users. That was, so it was really cool because what we did is we started from month zero. So month zero was the month before a company had any trained or certified uh, employees at their organization. So when we looked at it, what we found is after 15 months, if uh, 
the company had a sort we call them builders, a certified builder in it. Their MRR jumped by 67%. Wow. And their MAU jumped by 14%. Wow. So we could really show how certification really tied to it. So then we looked at ILT and e-learning and found that they also did. They, they all had correlations, but certification had the biggest correlation and the biggest improvement in numbers. Figuring that out, I never want to go back to looking at just course completion. Right. Because for me, one of the biggest things that I realized is that when you talk to C-level people and VP-level people, most of them can't tell you why customer education exists. Mm-hmm. They'll say, oh, it exists for training, you know, to train our customers. But why? Every other department in an organization, we can tell why they exist and what OKR they tie up to. Customer education has been lacking the seat at the table because we don't tie into corporate metrics. Mm-hmm. Once we relate to corporate metrics, we're much more valuable to the company and they understand our purpose. Like mm-hmm. We've always known that we did it, but we couldn't prove it. And now we're in a day that we can prove this correlation. And the next steps that we'll go to, and this is still a work in progress, is going to showing causation. But showing correlation is really cool. So take us back. Tell us the story. What was it like? when you started to get to this data for the first time, when you said, oh my goodness, like the light bulb went off. And then when you presented it to the business, what was the reaction? So when we first started looking at it, we weren't sure what we were gonna see because it took a couple of months to actually start to see the impact. The first month, you really didn't see, then we saw slight increases. And it was just a very slow, slow slope up until about month 12 and that's when it exploded. And when we saw that and we created executive dashboards so that it was something that senior leadership was seeing all the time, it became much more apparent how valuable certification was, which would allow us to help grow the team. And that was one of the things we wanted to do is grow the team, but we really wanted to help our customers because the metrics not only tie to increase in MRR and MAU, but we also noticed is customers who were certified and who had done a lot of training, when they le- if that individual left a corporation and went to another corporation, they also brought our software with them. Oh, there you go. So that's, that's stickiness. It's absolute stickiness. And the engagement with people who are certified um, was amazing. When we went to, we did our conference and we had this fun little thing where we had everyone dressed up in their caps and gowns who was certified. Um, And people loved it and they wanted to do it next year. So they were asking how they could do it. So more people got certified. So we saw a growing movement. And what we noticed with these people is they were higher they were much higher engaged both in product. They were te- they'd want to test betas. They'd also want to be more active in the community. So it was a full picture that we were seeing once we got someone into that certified group. It's like you discount that a little bit. You're kind of like, well, it's kind of fun. It's kind of, but people actually really appreciate it. And I think that, you know, people go through that certification process and um, it's meaningful. You know, it's great for the career. It's good for them. It's, and then obviously what you're saying is it's really good for the company. It's really good for the product usage and, and growth. But to go back to something you said prior, it kind of makes sense that at the 12-month mark, that's when you started to see this growth, right? I'm assuming or guessing that was QuickBase on a 12-month subscription, an annual sub- subscription? 
many of our customers were on an annual subscription rather than a monthly, although you could do monthly add-ons. Uh, so that is, you're absolutely right. It made sense to see it at, at the one year. And there were some customers who were on 18-month contracts. And I think that's why we really started to see that huge spike. And did you start, when you were started looking at this data and analysis, did you start with a brand new customer? From all of our customers, from the day they were started to the day they first started training. So we looked at training as um, day one prior to training was day zero. So it was a normalized curve. So it wasn't looking like just January to January. It was looking from month zero of the customer. So from before they were trained to when they were trained. But still, you were able to show that, you know, when we got through this training and this learning across multiple modes of delivery, um, we saw a 67% increase in MRR. And it, and it again, it, it's actually great that it happens at time of renewal or time of because you're probably also showing uh, reduced churn. Reduced churn, we know, there was, that wasn't a metric that we tracked at QuickBase. Uh, that wasn't one of their OKRs. So we didn't track that incident. We did notice it, but we didn't have a trackage for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also noticed the, you know, the bringing to new companies. So the net new that was coming from it. Um, which we hadn't done the graphs on at the point that I left, but we were starting to think about doing those too because we were hearing more and more of our certified people were moving from customer to customer. Because we've switched and we've started to use um, Acclaim now to do our badging, we'll be able to track our the people who become certified and watch their career journeys to see if the certification impacts their career journey. And we, we have incidental quotes from five or six people that I know of off the top of my head who directly said the certification also helped them get promotions. So looking at how it actually helps the individual will be another step that we'd like to do. Salesforce does a pretty good job at that. If you, you know, they, they, they'll say, Hey, if you go become a Salesforce administrator and you'll get Salesforce certified, it's going to, we, we know it's a, a result of X increase in your, annual base salary. It's almost easier to say like these like mini or micro degrees or micro certifications are more valuable than a bachelor of science in economics like I have. (laughs) I think that is going to be even more true in the future. I think that's exactly what's going to happen, especially, you know, there is going to be fallout of COVID on the educational system. There are kids who left college, have started working. They're not going to want to go back to college. There are kids who aren't going to graduate from high school and therefore won't go to college, but they can still do micro-credentials. Oh, yeah. And I think that micro-credentials are going to be the new currency, especially in, we've, we've all seen the posts on LinkedIn saying, you know, stop asking people for a bachelor's degree, right? Because a bachelor's degree isn't necessarily needed. I don't know that I agree with that, but I do agree with micro-skills are sometimes more important than the degree. If you're a technology, if you're if you like technology, if your if your mind is wired that way, then yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense for you just to go. I mean, there's some great Lambda School is a really cool example of people that uh, you know you just go learn how to code, but it's all virtual and you can do it online, and they have an amazing placement rate. You know, ninety six percent of people that from Lambda School go on to get jobs in IT like right away. We're also seeing that's why technology companies are investing in, in more and more. And what did you say? You said a credible, is that what you're using? 
we're using Credly. And what's cool with that is um, we've integrated it to, right to the LMS so that when we issue the um, certification or the badges, it will go right into their Acclaim product. And what the Acclaim product does is there are skills listed within each of the badges and you identify the skills as the, the badge creator. Yep. And when you click into that skill, it brings you and ties you into Bureau of La- Labor, the BLS, Bureau of Labor Statistics, and it will sh- tell you what careers tie to those skills. It will also link to job openings and it links some salary data too. So you can see the potential wow. salary data. That's so awesome. it's, it's really a cool platform with a lot of data behind it. I didn't know that, I, but the funny thing is, is we're actually integrating to Credly right now with a number of our customers, but I didn't know that second piece, which is super powerful for the, for the employee or the user that gets that, gets that badge. That's, that's awesome. Let's go back to another thing that you said earlier on, which was that customer education many times had lacked a seat at the table. I don't know that anyone, you know, under, like you said, understood it or what the real impact was. Do you think that's changing? Have you started to see that change or is that a battle that we're still fighting? It's a battle that we're still fighting. And I think in order for us to, to really, we need those, that data, but we also need to work closer with our CS, with our customer success organization. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times we have duplicative efforts between customer success and customer education. And customer success is a great and needed piece, but it's not quite as scalable as customer education is because customer success is more that one-on-one. So if every time you add 100 customers, you need to add another CSM. That's not very scalable. As customer ed, we teach in VILT 25 to 30 and in ILT 25 to about 35. And then in the e-learning, we're it's mass, so it's open to everyone. Right. So we can take some of that high touch piece and make it more low touch. Not that we would ever want to replace customer success because that's the relationship management piece. Yep. But we want to take the burdensome piece over that same piece that they are explaining to every single customer. We should be working with them and partnering with them to help them meet the needs of the customer. And it's interesting because customer education can sit in so many different departments. Right. And I think that's also part of the confusion because customer education, personally, I've been on HR, I've been on sales, I've been on marketing, I've been on CS, I've been a separate learning organization, and I've been on product. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the hardest pieces is that at the senior management level in companies, they don't know where to put customer education. And, you know, sometimes it'll fall under professional services too. So it's like, which is it? So having, you know, planning out a a strategy for your customer education and figuring out which department it's going to sit on and then how it's going to interact with all the other departments is going to affect the, all of your metrics and what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I think, that's really important to really figure out what the strategy is and where it belongs. What's your opinion? Where do you think it should be? I prefer to see it um, either with CS or as a separate learning organization. What I'm noticing also is like at Braze, we have two different education organizations within in our company. We have an HR education and we have the customer education. Now, customer education 
we also train employees and we train partners and we train customers. The HR education only trains internal, but they use a lot of our um, content. So I think there's some du duplicative efforts there. Mm -hmm. uh, and I do think we could streamline it being in one because we do have so many um, cross functions there. Being on CS, I think, really helps with alignment for OKRs and for the data alignment. So I think that's you know, that really, plus if you're reporting to the same senior management, there's going to be less to, uh, duplicate, sorry, duplicity because they're going to ask you to do stuff in customer education rather than having the CMs do it. when. Um, when they're separate, everyone just expects the CSMs to create all their training, right. and and they're not. They can deliver training usually pretty well, especially on the one-on-one. -on -one, but creating things in the way that it needs to be created for people to actually learn um, isn't something that they always do because they don't. They think of the product first instead of the learner first, mm -hmm. and that's a switch in the way we need to think about it. Well, I think that you should tie always try to tie it to, to revenue. Right. So, so if you're in the CS org, I think you can make a case that we're tying to, again, growing MRR, reduced churn, but like tying that customer education directly to that growth and that revenue. That's, I think, how you get the most visibility or what I've seen where I've seen people be successful is they get a lot of visibility because of, and some, maybe that's even, you know, chief revenue officer, CS usually probably reports up to the CRO. The only concern sometimes if you um, are on the sales team and report to the CRO is then they want you to monetize all of your customer education. <laughs> I was just going to ask, so I was going to just ask you, what is your opinion of paid training, kind of monetized training versus like a proliferation strategy, which is we're just going to give it all away and try to train the masses. What, what do you think, what's your opinion on, on those approaches? I would prefer for the training to always be free and train the masses and train everyone. Mm -hmm. However, that's not always the idea behind um, customer education. Where I am right now at Braves, our e-learning is open to everyone. And then our ILT and our VILT is a paid offering um, and is a cost recovery model really is what it is. Yeah, there's real costs though. I mean, you have trainers and you have people and you... Well, we used to have classrooms. <laughs> People would actually go to places and do it. So there's real cost to it. Right. And so the cost recovery piece I get for um, instructor-led, especially when we, you, know, you have to pay people to travel and be at the hotels. And so I, for that, that makes sense to me. I personally would not want to um, charge for the e-learning because I really believe in really educating everyone. Uh, the next step for me, once we get to we get the entire program built where we're going um, is actually to try and figure out how to train students, universities, colleges on the platform when we don't have a freemium model. So that's my next thing. I had started to do that at QuickBase that I had started working with colleges and teaching in business classes, how to create, how to use QuickBase. And we're getting requests now from different universities to teach Braze in the university and so we need to come up with that model so that we can actually teach people who are not current customers, people who are part of a re-entry program, who've just gotten out of jail trying to get a job again. Mm -hmm. Students who are you know, coming out of college need some hard tech skills. 
and people who are re-entering the workforce or people who have lost their jobs. We need to be able to have a way to train them without them having to pay for it. And I think that's going to really level the playing field to the job market for people. I've heard both and I've seen both be successful. Some people are very much aligned to let's uh, charge for it because then it's, you know, inherently or perception wise, it has more value, but then also, uh, Daniel Dines, who's the CEO of UiPath, he basically has said, our academy is always going to be free. It's always going to proliferate because we're going to teach the world about robotic process automation on UiPath. And he's basically won the market doing that. Looking back to the some of the early word processors, right? Um, the reason Microsoft Word beat out everyone else is because they were doing it in the schools. No one else had, was in the schools. No one else had models like that. No one else had the free training. Everyone else was charging for training back in the day. And Microsoft did that. And I watched that in, over the years. And you know, the, everyone still, you know, you have Google um, G Docs, but it's still, you know, it's a fighting battle against Microsoft because they were so grounded before anyone realized what they were doing. Oh, yeah. They had a huge head start. But then Google got smartened up pretty quick. And, <laughs> and they said, hey, we're going to give Chromebooks to everybody now. And everyone's going to use Google Docs. And everyone's going to use Sheets. And so it's like, you know, they, they took the page right out of Microsoft's playbook and are now, you know, starting to, you've got the, the G Drive suite now going, which is. That's exactly what they've done. And now because they did that and they started, you know, G Suite was available for businesses. It wasn't widely adopted for businesses, but it was the schools had started adopting it first. Right. And then, you know, the students are coming out already familiar with it. They wanted the ease of using the cloud software. So you're seeing more and more companies, especially in the SaaS startup world, mm -hmm. go to the G Suite. These guys are deploying the same strategies that we're talking about, yes. which is getting your users engaged, adopting, training, and becoming happier users. And then look at us, we're talking about it. And it's like, why are we talking about it? Because we're happy users. That's right. You, they become, you become evangelists for it. And that's really, you know, when your customer is your evangelist, that's when you're really doing the right thing. Because customers today have many, many choices and they're only going to stay with the software that they like and that they, and that they like the people and the support and the training that's around it. There's some softwares that I like the software, but I've left because the support and the training wasn't there for me. So what are, what's your recommendations? And let's just talk about that for a second. Like if you're talking to someone listening that's in customer education, like what are the couple of the tips you give them to get the seat at the table, to get the visibility that they deserve? The first thing is really make a friend with your data, your data team, whether it's yes. business analyst, business intelligence, data, whatever the team is called, make friends with them yes. and work with them to create dashboards that can actually tie what you're doing to the ROI for the company and the corporate metrics. That is the biggest thing. Um, and really keep those reports up to date and make sure that you're doing things and you're using that data to make your decisions. If you see that a course isn't doing well, maybe there's something in it that's not being trained correctly that's causing a problem. You need to go back and actually look at that and talk to your customers. One of my favorite things to do is look at the data, understand what I'm seeing in the data, and then talk to live people, actually talk to my customers and see if they're telling me the same story that the data is telling me. 
And so far, I, that's I've been seeing the same thing when I talk to customers and the data. And so I think you know the data and talking to your customers are the two things that I would definitely tell customer education professionals to do and really focus there. Without that data, uh, if we go through cuts, the customer ed gets cut first. And it, it's not a smart move from my perspective because I know the effect that it actually does have on ROI. But once you show the data, like, and, I, and, and then my recommendation, which I agree with you 100%, shout out to my own data scientist, Piotr, by the way, who I, I throw this stuff at him constantly. And I'm like, pull it together to show the direct correlation between us getting people trained, the usage, and, and like, so I, you're spot on. You need a data scientist. You need somebody who can really just pull that stuff together and then show the results. So I... I I've been lucky enough to have a great, great guy, young, really smart data scientist who's helping me a ton do a lot of that stuff. Um, but then once you have it, is is don't forget, there, you got to sell internally. You have to be able to go make a compelling sales presentation to executive leadership. Like that's a skill. And people, I think, in customer ed have to have to do it. I mean, we got to get it. You got to get in there and you got to say, I have amazing data. You're not going to believe the stuff that I'm about to show you. Absolutely. And you have to sell it to the executives. You have to sell it to your customer success organization. You have to sell it to your product organization. And you need to sell it to your sales organizations because those are really your partners. Right. And those are the people that you can help. And you need them to understand your value too because you want to make sure that everything's socialized and it's coming from the masses to not just top down because you never want customer education to be forced on another department either. So I think it's important to socialize across and up. And I, you're absolutely right. That skill is a different skill than a lot of customer education people are used to working with. And it's, it's one you, gotta, you have to get good at it. And it never happens in one meeting. It's never going to happen in one meeting. You're going to have to have a hundred meetings. And it's just the fact. People need to get told things three times. People need to get told things over and over. But if you come with data, and if you come with your statistics, and you come with a business result that's a super positive business result, it, people will hear you. But it's going to take, but it takes time. You can't just say like, all right, I, I had the one meeting and then uh, nothing happened. Well, it's like nothing ever happens in one meeting. You need, you got to have a neck, you got to have literally probably a hundred meetings and it's yes. going to take a number of quarters and you just got to stay on it. And then at some point, the light bulb moment goes off and says, wow, we need to be doing more of this. And then, you know, then you're off to the races, which is exciting for everybody. Exactly. And you need to know what those numbers are all the time yeah. as a customer professional, you need to know what your numbers are, what MRI is being changed, what MAU is being changed, know those numbers so that when you're having casual conversations with people, you can refer to those numbers too, because you're absolutely right. You need to sell it and you need to socialize it and they need to hear it many times in different settings and in different ways. Yes. And quite honestly, a lot of times when we're presenting with a PowerPoint slide and they're seeing the data, uh, it's good, but it doesn't stay with them. It's those one-offs when you're talking to people, having a coffee chat. And, you know, you mentioned what is the data has done, you know, 67% increase in MRI. Wow, that's like astounding. You tell that to a CSM who's being comp based on revenue, you know, an AM who's being, they're going to go get their people certified because they're going to realize the value of it. And I'll tell you what, then you're not going to get that budget cut either. They're going to say, this is strategic. This, exactly. is, this is a strategic thing we're doing. We're 
building users, we're building lifetime value of customers, we're growing revenue, we're like, it's a massive driver of the business. Well, Debbie, this has been a great conversation. I really, really appreciate your time. Uh, I love talking about the metrics and I really want to help people understand that this is what where we need to go because for so long I tried to figure it out on my own and you know, I've learned from other people like Dan, Dan Quick, who just moved over to Thought Industries. Um, he was doing stuff like this when he was at Asana. Um, and so, you know, really learning from other people and just helping spread the word on how we can improve as an organization within our companies. I look forward to another conversation. I'm sure that people, you're, you're going to be one of these repeat guests that people want to hear from. So, Debbie, I, I will call you again, I hope, and we can talk again. Mm-hmm.